KTN. Connecting for positive change. Hello and welcome to our AI for Services podcast interviews. My name is Astrid Ayal and I run the AI for Services Innovation Network. AI for Services brings together AI and data high growth entrepreneurs with leading professionals and academics working in the accountancy, insurance, legal and financial services sectors. This initiative is part of the Next Generation Services Challenge program funded by UKRI and delivered by KTN. With this podcast, we want to share with our community the latest innovation projects shaping the future of the professional and financial services sectors and hear from founders who know best on what it takes to transform the sector. And it is my pleasure today to interview Scott Nelson, CEO and Chairman of Sweetbridge. Scott, welcome to our podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I look forward to talking about what we are doing uh, at Sweetbridge and with the No Risk Consortium. Um, so, so Streetbridge is, um, you know, your company and is leading the Norisk uh, Consortium project, uh, one of the four awardees from the Enabling Data Access Competition that is part of UKRI Next Generation Services Challenge Program. Could you tell us a little bit more about uh, the Norisk Consortium? Sure. No Risk Consortium is combining information from accounting and audit from corporate ERP systems and insurance plus legal information to be able to manage risk in real time across both the physical nodes in a value chain, such as the buildings and the, uh, the flow of goods in that process. This is a, this is the largest area of unmanaged risk in the world today. And as a result of COVID, we all have, a much better and clearer understanding of what supply chains are and how important they are. Mm -hmm. And supply chain disruptions have become something which is now a major concern for every G20 country and every major corporation. So we're putting together the infrastructure necessary to be able to measure risk in this area in real time and offer real insurance solutions to this area that haven't been possible before. Great. Um, and, and so I understand that, um, you know, no, no risk is a consortium of organizations. So can I ask you who are your partners and where does Sweetbridge fit in? Sure. So we have uh, to bring together lots of different um, technologies in order to make this happen. So we have Industria, which is a distributed ledger firm that does work on the Corda blockchain. We have Size Stellar, which is a um, satellite uh, AI firm that uses AI to basically monitor uh, property um, risk areas, floods, um, earthquake, um, other things from space. Mm -hmm. We have um, Intelligent AI, which is using artificial intelligence to assess about 300 different public and private data sources to understand emerging risk 
as well as uh, to be able to monitor and convert risk reports from uh, static documents into a digital twin of risk for facilities, which is one of the results that we produce. We have a digital catapult, which is a government funded quasi think tank that uh, has been providing um, federated AIs because we're doing all of this in a way that distributes the information uh, because in some cases we can't actually legally bring the information together, but we need to benefit as a um, ecosystem of people in a supply chain from information. And so we're using federated AIs to do that. Right. So many so so from your partners you are tapping into to many technology areas um, ai satellite data and of course um, distributed ledger technology can you tell us how how this work for for an insurer for example joining the platform sure so um i want to make sure that before i do that i mention one other partner which i'm Fortunately, I was going to cough and I suppressed myself. Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. NGD, <laughs> which is a consortium itself of um, the large uh, accounting firms uh, that's creating common knowledge graphs that can be used by um, financial services organizations and by corporations themselves of data models. Um, of everything you know that a company would basically have uh, to model, and yes, this I, is a partnership um, with them and, and Microsoft. Yeah, so, and I interviewed. Um, sorry, I interviewed uh, Seamus on this podcast as well. So I'd encourage the listeners to to go and if they haven't already uh, listened to um, to Engine B uh, interview. And I know you you met. You met uh, Seamus at the uh, Innovation Lab that, that we ran in October. So, yeah, thank you for mentioning them. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Um, so, uh, back to your question. So, today, an insurer has, um, let's say, take the area of property and casualty. Um, they may be able to survey 10% at best of the properties that they um, that they have that they're underwriting insurance on in order to do risk assessments. And so they'll pick the ones that seem to be the most important typically to do. But 90% of the, of the real estate wouldn't have any um, risk assessment that would be done by a physical uh, audit. So in, in those cases, we take and bring in public and uh, non-public data sources to measure the risk for those properties as well. Things like satellite images, fire callouts, things like that. And then we build up a digital twin of the risk and refresh this information on a daily basis instead of it being something which is done statically once a year, it's done in real time. Uh, and this allows for a much tighter understanding of risk as well as emergent risk from something like a weather storm or say a, a you know, fires in California or something mm -hmm. like that. And <clears throat> this is allowing us to create new types of insurance products that couldn't have existed before where the risk can be um, monitored on a real-time basis and the premium can be set based on the actual risk that is, uh, that's occurring. And this creates a much better alignment between corporate 
corporate risk management to the insurance company because um, the company is actually incentivized to make sure that they reduce their risk exposure in order to get a lower cost and they get an immediate benefit from it, not something that they have to wait to, you know, another year to, you know, to obtain. So that's just one example. Right. So yeah, there, so there are many applications of your solutions and, and you mentioned uh, specifically um, with COVID and the impact that um, supply chain can have with a crisis like this. So um, I understand, you know, there are applications from logistics to construction to commercial property. Which area do you think has, has the most potential? Well, any area that can suffer a disruption um, mm -hmm. or that disruption has an amplification effect up the value stream um, is a perfect example. Um, so that occurs in food, it occurs in, um, in clothing, it occurs in fashion, it occurs in construction, it occurs in almost all areas of manufacturing. Um, <clears throat> it's a very well understood phenomenon called the bullwhip effect. And um, some people call it supply chain shocks. So as a supply chain runs out of material, um, prices, you know, escalate. In fact, we're going to see more of that as shocks continue to hit us as a result of the shutdowns in the economy from COVID. Mm. And people overreact because the only information they have is about, you know, things that are happening to them. They don't really have visibility up or down the supply chain. So by having a better understanding of what's happening both up and down the supply chain, you can dramatically reduce these, um, uh, this bullwhip effect and these shocks. And this allows you to, to have a much more precise understanding of what the future demand or future needs are gonna be. And this is part of the puzzle that we're, we're solving. But more importantly, um, you can actually evaluate in real time the flow of goods coming into and going out of your supplier's supplier's supplier. And uh, do this in a way which doesn't reveal to anyone upstream information they shouldn't have, but that makes you and your partners in that supply chain aware of the fact that there's going to be an, a, a, a pending problem. Had this existed in PPE and had this existed in um, toilet paper, we wouldn't have seen the problems that uh, were created as a result of the you know shutdowns of COVID. Because mm. the problem was, wasn't that there wasn't enough material. And this is where law comes in. The problem was actually much more complicated than that. Um, it was in the wrong places. It was committed to orders and to people that no longer needed it because their businesses were shut down, um, but not available for places that did need it because uh, they were experienced peak demand and legal agreements that were being used by the parties, um, contracts and whatnot required allocations of material to channels that now didn't actually need it or even want it. Mm -hmm. um, and putting in place uh, new agreements, modifying those agreements um, led to all sorts of time delays that exacerbated the problem. Mm 
So we're actually putting in place computable contracts, which are contracts that are modeled in data where the computer can actually understand what the contract says and means and therefore can be analyzed and even changed and rewritten by computers themselves. So you can actually reposition, if that had been in place, we would have been able to reposition most of the supply for toilet paper and we would not have run out of it. Because there was actually it's plenty amazing. of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, it's about the, the visibility yeah. as well and uh, the execution after that, isn't it? Um, and, and really the execution yeah. was the thing that was the biggest of the problems. Mm. The visibility is actually maybe 35% of the problem, but 65% of the problem is actually execution. How do you get people to change their behavior? And the thorniest bit of that is how do you put in place the new legal agreements that allow people to change their behavior? Mm, yeah. Very, very interesting. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I understand that your background um, before Sweetbridge um, and before Norisk is, is in the logistics uh, industry. Can you share a little bit more about your, your story and what led you to what you're doing today? Sure. So uh, I, w I developed a company called Trax Technologies, which was at the forefront of something almost never, no one's ever heard of called Continuous Assurance which is using computer systems to audit and verify um, fax information, uh, contracts, um, uh, accounting information, and financial statements, instead of having them being audited or verified by people. And this is the use of uh, AI, machine vision, IoT, um, lots of different technologies plus human inspection in real time, um, the sensors that we carry around like our phones to verify information and uh, correlate that to information that's coming out of ERP systems or from other data sources to make sure that it's correct and to highlight the places that you can't trust because there's you know, too many different opinions about what's going on in the information and the areas that you can trust because everything says, yep, the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, in doing that, we realized that um, the implications of being able to know information that you could trust and then be able to share that information using new emergent technologies like um, uh, composable proofs or knowledge proofs, other cryptographic uh, devices where you can um, prove something is true mathematically without revealing the information itself meant that many of the long, um, the really biggest problems in supply chains could now be solved um, in ways that nobody had ever thought about doing it before. And so we were established in part to basically uh, tackle that problem on and no, the no risk consortium came out of, uh, as you said, you know, a government lab that was a challenge to bring people together. And to, and, and we were one of the people that got invited uh, to, to look at um, this area of legal information, accounting information, insurance information, which today are highly siloed um, mm -hmm. both for good and maybe no longer good reasons. And so could we use um, AI and other uh, techniques like distributed ledgers and other technologies like composable proofs to share information in a new way 
that wouldn't wouldn't violate any of the good reasons to keep information separate, but allow people to get the benefit of having knowledge, which is aggregated. Um, and the implications long-term are many of the financial services could be exceedingly op, uh, optimized and automated so that you would actually have, you know, uh, agents that would, uh, um, that you would use from, um, different firms that would actually do much of the consulting or much of the analysis that, uh, you might have say, a, you know, price waterhouse or, or EY or something like that do today. Brilliant. And, and within this project, um, Norris, what, what would you say your biggest achievement has been since starting a, a year and a bit ago? Well, the most surprising one has been our participation in Lloyd's lab, mm. um, which uh, we didn't see coming, um, uh, going in, uh, and turned out to be much more successful. A lot of these accelerators and, and, and incubation things, um, I've done in my career, uh, or no people have done them. And, uh, many times they don't really work out quite as well as they're advertised, but, um, that one worked out amazingly well. And, and, and we just had unbelievably positive feedback, um, and, and some just amazing, uh, um, assessments and, uh, from our mentors who, who said things to us like, you know, this is the future of insurance. This is what risk management should always have been. I mean, some incredible quotes. Right. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was really, you know, insurance is a very old business and yeah. it's very, um, you know, uh, stuck in a model of execution that's hasn't really changed all that much. Um, it's, you know, it's improved incrementally, but it's not mm. had any kind of systemic rethink. And we are probably the first kind of real systemic rethink of risk management that has occurred in the last uh, couple decades, at least. And, um, and I thought that might be just too far for people to go mentally. And it, it did take a bit for them to come up to speed, but once they did, and once they understood what we we're talking about and how easy it is to do, frankly, easier than what they do today. Um, that mm -hmm. was when the moment went on and, and people said, Oh my gosh, this is actually, we're actually looking at the future of what our business is going to look like. Um, no, so it was like uh, somebody on a manufacturing yeah. plant seeing robots operate for the first time or something. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so your experience, your experience, your experience dealing with the insurance sector has been has been positive so far. Then, oh, it's been fabulous. Mm. Um, and and I, I wouldn't have expected that. I would have expected, uh, you know, um, I actually thought that the corporates would be the place where they would get this the most, and 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 they do, um, but. Uh, I think the promise for the insurance space isn't just more streamlined processes and, and lower um, actual financial risk for them, but um, is actually entirely it is a new markets that are as potentially as big as the insurance industry currently is. Mm. And that's a, that's a very, very different shift where, you know, in the corporate world, it's just a better management of the risk because, you know, it's nice to have insurance in case the building burns down, but I'd rather not have it burn down. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
Great. Well, um, thank you. Uh, thank you, Scott. It's been a real pleasure uh, speaking with you and hearing more about your project and your fantastic uh, progress. Um, can I ask you where our listeners can connect to you online, um, your website, LinkedIn? Yeah, no, no riskconsortium.com. Great. And uh, one last question um, that I am asking every guest. Um, at KTN, our purpose is to create diverse connections to drive positive change. So I wanted to ask you, who is the one person you would love to meet before you die and why? Uh, Elon Musk. Oh, well, uh, Seamus Ray has met him at a dinner he has shared with me on the, on the interview. So uh, you can ask him for his contact details. I'm sure he'll be, uh, he'll, be, yeah, he'll be very happy to give it to you. At KTN, our purpose is to create diverse connections to drive positive change. Thank you for joining me. And to our listeners, uh, check our webpage, AIforservices.org. Share this recording with your colleagues, your friends, and I see you next time. KTN, connecting for positive change.